0: So Dan sends his love, he's not running the race, <laughs> he's running the race for God, him and Bruce and Tara on a worship conference, and um, it's always my privilege to bring the word to you this morning. So um, I am thinking in my head, how do I condense this preach, because I do want to give some ministry time for afterwards, so it's not going to be a long word, but let's talk a little bit about the perfect church. Hmm. Let's talk about the perfect mom's room. Okay? Massage chair. Someone's massaging your feet. Someone's allocated to looking after your child. You've got these amazing speakers in your ear. You've got a big IMAX screen that you're looking at the preacher from. You can hear them clearly. Someone's feeding you grapes off the vine. Okay? Perfect facility where there's valet parking. Someone comes, drops off your ch- bottle of water. In the car, when you pick up your car again, that would be the perfect church. What about a, a worship team that's, that is selling millions of records around the world? We're flying in the greatest and the latest every single week. Perfect church. Where, the, where your pastor is a best-selling author, and you get a book on your birthday, handwritten from him with a signature and a little scripture, what about the perfect pastor's wife? You have her, her number on speed dial, and you can call her anytime you like. She will hand deliver muffins to your door every week. Or the perfect leadership team that knows the names of your children, your grandchildren. They know what you're doing. They never have a bad day. They always remember to look you in the eye and smile. They never walk past you. They always see you. They always notice you. The perfect church. Don't we complain when things don't go perfectly? Don't we complain when the room is chaos in the back and we have to park our car for miles and someone walks past us and they forgot our name? Don't we leave churches over that? Hey when I'm in a conversation with someone and someone says to me you know what I've realized star you'll just never find the perfect church I think you were looking for the perfect church even this picture of a perfect church is pretty imperfect to me it sounds more like an entertainment center If we look at the definition of entertainment, it's the action of providing or being provided with amusement or enjoyment. If someone asks you to describe church, you're not allowed to draw from your own experience. You're not allowed to draw from social media or what your friends are attending or what, because what will happen is if you explain church based on copy paste what you see out there it'll be what you prefer church to be what you would like church to be but we have to look at scripture and say what is god's model of church cuz when you look around and you start looking in scripture at what church is what a healthy church is you start to see wow not many churches resemble this churches seem to be giving the message that it's all about You. Here's a question to ask yourself. Do I operate from the assumption that the church is completing its mission when it meets my felt needs? Sociologists are saying that we are living in the most narcissistic time, the most self-absorbed time in all of history. And the church is starting To look like you. Aren't we meant to be reflecting Christ's image? The definition of consumer Christianity, a divergent form of the Christian faith, followed by many in Western culture, easily identified by large quantities of Jesus-branded merchandise, but lacking Jesus' character, self-sacrifice, or a prophetic voice. Consumerism drives us towards a selfish lifestyle of safety, comfort, and privilege. We neglect the simple truth that it is in giving ourselves away to Jesus through service to others that we find joy, meaning, and blessing. Luke 9, 23, verse 24. Jesus said to the crowd, "'If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way.'" Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. The church was never meant to be an inward focused people looking to meet his or own needs. We were to always be an upward focused people looking to love God and others extravagantly. In scripture, we see that there are contributors and not consumers. Christians encourage, consumers complain. Christians empower, consumers criticize. Christians sacrifice, consumers hoard. Christians forgive, consumers hate. Christians work together, consumers compete. Christians volunteer, consumers take. Christians generously give, consumers buy. Christians love people, but consumers love things. Let's look at Acts 2.42, which is what we're basing our message on today, on what is a healthy church. This is in the early church. This is when the believers first formed a community. In Acts two forty two. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer Praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The Lord was adding people to this healthy picture of a church. So the first point that I want to speak about is the healthy church devotes themselves to teaching. Devoted means gives all or most of one's time or resources to a person or activity. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 verse 13, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. I love that word, public reading of Scripture. The Bible was meant to be read, but it was also meant to be heard. God's Word to this day is easily accessible. We can get the Bible here in the Middle East. We can get the written Word We can get it around the world. But in those days, it was so rare to own a Bible of your own that they would rely on the public speaking of the Word of God. So the the letters of Paul would all be read out and would be heard and would be received. It was common for even when people are reading the word to themselves. We've called it a quiet time. We've called it a silent time. But actually, it was a time when they would declare loudly and confess loudly the words in their private time. There's something so powerful about preaching the word into the atmosphere. Can you imagine the word of God? That is why it's good for the, for the Bible to be preached, for the whole truth to be preached for people, who, the word of God goes out and shapes and transforms a community that submits themselves under the word of God. I mean, how do we believe a lie? We hear it. Somebody told it to us, whether it was a parent or a teacher or a partner. How do we believe truth? We hear it. It's important for us to hear and receive truth. There's power in confession. We need to hear the language of God. Romans 10 verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In Isaiah 55 verse 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So how is God's word going out today? The word that is coming from his mouth, how is it going out if it's bottled up inside of you and you're not speaking it out? There's power in confession. John 1.1, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. So the word was before creation, the word that was God. The word opened his mouth and spoke creation into existence. And so the creation is formed. If God had to take his word right now out of of creation, everything would just explode. It would fall away. It would disintegrate because his word is holding creation. His word then came into the earth and personified Jesus, Jesus was the Word, and he spoke the words of God. He spoke it. Then Jesus ascended, but he had left, he asked his disciples to document the Word of God, to continue to be preached, and it is be breathed over the word, and the Bible is called the God-breathed Word of God. And he commissioned us to continue to speak God's words. 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. I know some of you businessmen like the word profitable. It is profitable. God's word is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training. So how do we continue to keep God's word alive? We need to be speaking it out. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Those divine sound waves brought the invisible into the visible. God raised people from the dead with words. He healed the sick and cast out demons with words. He forgave sins and set people free with words. You know, human beings need to be reminded of things. Is that right? My husband needs to be reminded of things often. He sets all sorts of reminders for himself on the phone, but what I have to remind myself of is the words that God has spoken over my life. And I don't know what it is about human nature, but it's like you can have an amazing day. God can speak to you. You can feel uplifted through his word. There's a scripture that you're holding on to. The next day will come, and it was as if that word was never spoken. You've completely forgotten about it. It sent you into a spiral. You're completely depressed. You're in unbelief. And so there's just two practical R's. Is you need to record those words and you need to revisit those words. And whenever I'm having those times, I go back to that time and I've got books and and there's notes on my cell phone and, and in my Bible And I just revisit and revisit and revisit, God, this is the date that you spoke this to me. This is the date that you promised this to me. And so I'm going to speak your word because your word says in Isaiah 55 verse 11 that when you speak something, it doesn't return to you without accomplishing what you said. And so I'm going to hold you accountable for what you said over my life. But I'm not going to bury it down on the shelf. I'm not going to bury it down inside of me. I'm going to agree with your words and speak them out. And you may sound silly speaking out these words. I remember Bill Johnson says, define the promise. God goes into your future, sees where you would be, and he comes back with the word necessary to get you there. I remember when we first planted the church, um, we had paid a year up front for our rent for the house, so we didn't have to worry about that. And Dan was doing all sorts of guitar gigs and all that kind of thing, and we were selling stuff, and, and we didn't care because that's what God had asked us to do. We believed we needed to plant a church, and it didn't matter the price that we had to pay. But there was a moment when I, when we didn't have any electricity, and I, I I was feeling very anxious, and nothing that I could... No worship, no prayers. Nothing was taking this anxiety away from me. I was just nervous. And I was like, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. And Dan, I was lying in bed with Dan and he he opened up his Bible and he just started to read these scriptures. You know, at first you're like, don't just make a plan. But he just started to read these scriptures to me. And by hearing the word of God, something supernatural took place where a peace descended upon my soul. It was the words of God being spoken over my heart. And I slept well. And God provided within a day through supernatural means. Only God could have known. There is power in confessing the word. I just want to give us 20 seconds, just an opportunity Where we have tried to, where we've neglected to speak the word over a situation. Whether it's over your finances, over your marriage, over your job situation, over your children, over your womb. I just want to give you a few seconds. The first thing that comes to your mind. It's it's really, if there's nothing that comes to your mind, that's fine. But it's not overthinking it. It's just whatever. Just ask God, is there something that I want to take an opportunity this week to speak the word over the situation and see it change. Please bring it to mind. Lord God, I just ask that you would um, bring to mind that which we have hidden from you, that which we've tried to do in our own strength. And God, we invite your word to come in and transform and shape our situation in Jesus' name, amen. Second point, a healthy church operates in the supernatural miracles, signs and wonders. Taken from that text. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 45 Paul says, my message and my preaching, were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And so the preaching of the Word should follow, signs and wonders should follow the preaching of the Word. I've often wondered, you know, why don't we see... Increased miracles and signs and wonders in the West. Growing up, being part of a Christian family, going into mission fields in Malawi and Zimbabwe and Sri Lanka, you just see, I don't know, is it the hunger? Are they more hungry than the West? You know, it's like maybe they just don't have any other options. And we're like, I suppose all that's left to do is pray. You know, that's maybe some of our attitude is. You know, they say God should be your first resource, not your last resort. Or is it because we're too self-conscious and, and we just think, well, let's go on this mission trip. Who cares if we make a fool out of ourselves because we're just going to get back onto a plane and we'll never see them again. It's like maybe we don't take those opportunities as much because we care about what it will look, look to us. Do we expect people to be healed? We should ask ourselves how often do we step out and ask others if we can pray for their healing? Expect means to look forward to as certain or probable or to anticipate. Are we expecting that God will move? Often we stay in the safe zone of keeping quiet when presented with the opportunity to pray for healing. And Jesus always looked for faith in people. That's why he asked, Do you want to get well? What do you want? There is no room for self-consciousness when you have when you have boldness. And there's no room for doubt when you have expectation to see God move. We need to be asking God for boldness and expectation. Who's heard of Hardy Baker? She is an incredible woman who was um, left a wealthy life of Orange County, California, to give her life in Iris ministries to look after the poor. She had this deep desire she saw the need, and she had this deep desire to see women or people get healed from blindness and For a year she prayed, she prayed, and she prayed. No one got healed from blindness, but this is her story. Early on in her ministry, Heidi Baker had prayed to see blindness healed, but nothing happened. For over a year, she continued to pray, believing one day God would grant the miracle. That day came in a little mud hut church in the middle of Mozambique. She recalls a lady blind from birth was led in by a little boy. Compassion hit me and I prayed, oh God, let it be now. The lady fell down in the spirit and I saw her eyes turn from white to gray to brown. I was probably more surprised than she was. I'd never seen that happen before. I was so excited. The incredible thing about that story is they call her Mama Ada. Her name's Hardy, but they call her Mama Ada. And the first lady that she prayed for and healed was called Ada. The second girl that she prayed for and was healed from blindness was called Ada. And the third girl that she prayed for was called Ada. And God was just trying to confirm to her again and again, There was no um, self-importance. There was no embarrassment. There was just a compassionate desire to see people healed. What are you expecting? Because often we believe that God is bigger than our problem and we exalt and worship the sickness, the cancer. We exalt and worship um, the, the debt. And we say, God, no, you're not as big as this is. And we need to relook at our perspective, and we need to say, "God, we repent for that kind of thinking, and we expect you to move. We invite you in to move. Because Hebrews 11:6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. I want to show you a video. It's about three minutes. 20 seconds, I've asked Bruce to edit it for me. It's a guy called Todd White. He had an addiction, drug addiction for 22 years and he had an encounter with Jesus. And from then on, he's just been going onto the streets and desiring people to be healed. But I want this to just watch how normal he is and how loving he is. That's amazing. You know what I love about that is that He prayed a few times. He prayed a few times. How many times would we pray before we think, it didn't work, it's okay, maybe next time. We live in an instant society where we want God to do this. God wants compassionate hearts that walk alongside people. You know what struck me about Todd was his compassion. And Heidi Baker said that before she saw the lady being healed of blindness, there was compassion. And often you'll see Jesus is described as having compassion before he saw the miracle. Are we too indifferent? God, may you break our hearts to see about your kingdom break into this church. A healthy church devotes themselves to fellowship i'm just going to shorten this this message because I really want to pray for people afterwards but fellowship Jesus is building the church he's, he's putting living stones together to build a spiritual house in hebrews 10 verse twenty five don't neglect The meeting together as in the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Good habits lead to a healthy body. Bad habits lead to an unhealthy body. God is building his church. And in being part of leading a church for six years, I can tell you who we have appreciated. It hasn't been the most gifted. We have appreciated the most faithful. It is the faithful that God uses to build his church. Being devoted to fellowship produces disciples. Jesus was clear on his parting words to us. He didn't say, go and build entertainment centers. Make sure my people are happy. Go and make disciples. Matthew 28. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If we only drawing a crowd, then we will lose the crowd. But if we are raising up disciples then those disciples will stay. Healthy churches are not about the size, whether it's big or small, because God added 3,000 people to their number. You can have healthy churches that are small and healthy churches that are big, but make sure that it's filled with God's disciples. How can you disciple someone who's not following you, who we're seeing once every four months You can't be discipled through podcasts and books and sermons. You can only be discipled by someone who has access to your life. We recently had Lisa Bevere, minister at Scarlet Conference, and she's been someone that I've looked up to for a decade. And I got something out of her podcasts, sermons, and books. But it was only until she came and spent time with me was it the most intense type of discipling, where she had access into my life. And her words shaped me. And she saw things that were unhelpful for my future. Because discipling is making people more like Jesus. Devoted to fellowship. I was so encouraged. Two weeks ago, we met with a family for lunch. And they came with their daughters and they said, we just need to go and pick up our son and then we'll see you at lunch. And when I went to lunch, I saw he arrived in a soccer kit and he just looked so cute and he was so stoked. And he says, I won, our team won. I said, did you score a goal? Yes, I scored a goal. And everyone was celebrating with him. And I thought, this family is devoted to fellowship. They didn't follow their son to the soccer field or, you know, follow their children to the next birthday party or follow their friends to the brunch. It was like, We celebrate you, we love you, but this is where we are devoted to fellowship, and that's so encouraging. And for those of you that are devoted to fellowship, you can see that there have been people that have been with us through our highs and our lows, and that's why church hopping is not healthy. If you don't plant yourself, you're going to miss out on the reward that comes with being part of a community. There's been a few lows. Before we moved into this warehouse, we moved 15 times in one year. And poor Suzanne, who runs the kids' ministry, it was like at one stage we were at this venue called The Fridge, which was more like an oven because it was not cold. We had one classroom, and that one classroom had a hop that took half of it, do you remember? And it was just like she had to make it work. This was no perfect church. And a lot of people left our church at that time. Things weren't comfortable. I felt like God had abandoned us at that time. But God was so faithful because he still added key people in that time that decided to join us on that journey. And I think of Andre and Nikki, who are such a, who are such a key part of our family now, community group leaders, part of the worship team, having people over in their homes. We, we love them dearly. But let me tell you, I don't know why they joined our church then. I know how important it is for her daughters to be, to have good spiritual input, to have great kids ministry. Um, And pretty much everything was not looking good for us then. So it's just the goodness of God that he chose to add people at that time. But there was obviously something. God is building his church. And he wants us to be together through the highs and through the lows. And we're not people who live in the past who say, oh, way back when. We're looking to the future. And there's so much that Dan's going to reveal next weekend at our sixth birthday. There's so much that God has in store that we'd love for you to get uh, and join in and and be discipled in this place and, and let this church burn brighter in the Middle East. But it's amazing because I'm sure there are things that Suzanne... I'm sure she wanted to throw in the towel just like we wanted to throw in the towel. And I'm sure there were things that she wanted that she's only seeing now. The the kids are now prophesying over one another. They come here after the meeting and they look at the adults and they give them words that are so accurate. If you've received a word from them, you'll know. They're speaking in tongues. She laid in those cultures, no matter what, it wasn't a perfect situation, but she laid in the biblical principles into those children, and those children today, it's like revival is starting in there, and spilling out into the church. There are still many people waiting in our future. I was hanging the washing the other day, and I was just like, wow, God, thought back to our first meeting of 12 people, and I was like, wow. Ryan and Natalie were in our future, I didn't even know that. Herman and Alicia were in our future. Bruce and Danae were in our future. And today, there are people waiting for us to move forward. They're waiting for us to be devoted to fellowship, to see realness, to see life. There's people that are still to come, which is exciting. And then very quickly, a healthy church devotes themselves to prayer and worship. For those of you who were part of Dutco season, that was before the warehouse, and we were, we, we were meeting at the Mall of Emirates, and um, we couldn't have worship then during Ramadan. We weren't allowed to have music worship. So having four weeks without musical worship showed me how much we desperately need worship. Worship invites God's spirit to come in. Worship softens hearts. Worship is for Jesus. A healthy church builds around Worship, And the last point is a healthy church shares with those in need. Teddy, if you could come up and play, please. From the verse 45, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. A healthy church shares with those in need. I just want to end off with a story to illustrate this point. My dear sister and friend here, Llele, she helped plant the church with us. She built in, week in, week out. And she had a hard year last year. She's given me permission to share this story. I asked for her permission yesterday. She had a hard year last year and suffered a lot of loss. Unfortunately, she lost her mother. For those of you who know the ache of losing a mom. And she had to bear the costs of flat homes... And also the funeral costs. Her father passed away when you were in university, right? So she was left with her sisters to bear the cost of her mother, the funeral and the loss. She went back. She came back. I met her for coffee. And she was telling me, we were just catching up. And she was just telling me how sick her brother was. And um, that she, she couldn't afford to go back to be with them and to spend time with them. And as I was driving back and as I pulled into the garage, I got this message. Stella, my brother just died. I was just so overwhelmed. I said to Dan, we have to do something. It's not even a have to, it's a want to. What can we do? What practical thing can we do? And on Friday at church, Dan, if you were here, you would have known. Dan just said, we have someone in our family who is in need. Can we take up an offering? The school wasn't paying her for the missed days, for all the leave that she had to take. And so together we we collected money so that she could pay, go back to South Africa, pay for her brother's funeral. And she mentioned that it covered everything. And we got Chanel Nishi's sister who was working for us at the time to go drop off, take her to the airport. And she said, when she opened up that envelope, she was so overwhelmed. She didn't know if it was, you know, all the emotion, but just the love. That is what being devoted to fellowship means, being devoted to a community, sharing with those in need. This was God's idea. Isn't God good? We sing about a good father. Who wants a perfect church with a massage chair? I want a healthy church with heart. In terms of ministry time, I just felt God say to me that I need to give people an opportunity to respond. And he took me back to all the moments in my life when I've come forward and just done business with him and me. I can't remember who's the person who called me forward. I can't remember who prayed for me. I can't remember who preached. But he just took me in flashbacks at youth conferences and different churches. And I just thought, it is healthy to create an atmosphere where people can come forward for ministry. And we have people that I've already asked to come and pray for you. But even if you don't get someone touching, you know, laying hands on you, just it's between you and God and so can we all stand please for those of you who want to um, something struck a chord with you about, about the miracles, signs and wonders
1: for those of you who
0: want to see more of that in your life can you please come forward so that we can pray for you for, for those of you who want more boldness in your life Come forward so we can pray for you. This is not for me. This is really, this is just giving an opportunity. If no one comes forward, that's okay because it's me creating opportunity for you to encounter God. For those of you who feel an evangelistic anointing on you, you know that you know that you should be speaking to your friends about God, but something has almost just silenced you. Something that's kept, it's like you're being muzzled. God is wanting to release an anointing on you to preach the gospel to your friends. And your friends are going to receive it. Now is the time for salvation. They're going to receive it. Don't disqualify yourself. And for those of you who want to share more, for those in need, for those of you wanting a fresh touch with the Holy Spirit, those of you who just want to spend time um, getting to know God, please come forward. Let's make some space for those who want to hear the Holy Spirit's voice in their life. The spiritual gift to be more active. Just receive. It's just between you and God. The prayer team can come and be released and start to pray for